I'm April Cummings with your latest news. The question is that a bill shortly entitled the Appropriation Financial Years 2024 and 25 Bill 2023 as amended by Finance Committee be read a third time and passed. Those in favor, please say aye. Aye. Those against, no. I believe the ayes have it. The bill is accordingly passed. And with that, Cayman's members of parliament pass the budget for the next two years, the first under recently sworn in Premier, the Honorable Juliana O'Connor Conley. Earlier in the day, she expressed appreciation to God, her colleagues, the civil service, and the new speaker. It is this collaboration among all elected members of our parliament that has made today's outcome possible. Parliament adjourned with best wishes to all. A blessed Christmas season and a happy and prosperous New Year from all of us here in Parliament. People speeding in the Bodentown area are finding themselves on the wrong side of the law. Overall, we've issued well over 1,500 traffic tickets just in the, the Bodentown Shamrock Road area alone. Total of 4,500 traffic speeding, just speeding tickets across uh, Grand Cayman alone. So uh, that is an increase of just under 1,700 speeding tickets compared to last year's. That's Royal Cayman Islands Police Service Commissioner Kurt Walton speaking to MPs and Finance Committee on Thursday. He said speeding enforcement is a priority for the force. However, stressed that it is only one part of the holistic national road safety policy, which includes public education. Another traffic concern raised came from Baden Town MP Chris Saunders. Once you pass Savannah Meadows and an accident literally shut off the eastern districts, sometimes some fender bender takes too long to clear. That in no way should create a congestion. So we've given a directive to our staff is to expedite those as quick as possible. But certainly as far as serious and fatal road traffic collisions, unfortunately, because of the evidential aspect of that, which gets challenged significantly in, in a grand court, we have to make sure that that is properly fully investigated. For the upcoming 2024 and 2025 budgets, Finance Committee members approved $61 million in funding for crime prevention and protection services, just under $25 million for crime investigation and criminal justice, and more than $18.5 million for policy advice for the Office of the Commissioner of Police. A verdict in the grand court trial of the two men accused of trying to rob a bank. Radio Cayman's Jevy Ebanks has more. Richard Andre Scott and Mark Alexander Beckett were found not guilty of all charges against them, including charges for attempted robbery and possessing an imitation firearm, stemming from the attempted robbery of Scotia Bank on Crew Road earlier this year. Over the trial, the court saw CCTV footage of two men leaving the Palmdale area and proceeding to the bank near Grand Harbor. The courts also heard testimony from an array of witnesses who were present at the moment of the attempted robbery. The trial, initially scheduled for four weeks, concluded in its seventh week and was presided over by Honorable Justice Cheryl Richards, KC, and the Crown's case was brought by Crown Counsel Kenneth Ferguson, with the accused Richard Andre Scott and Mark Anthony Beckett, represented by Keith Myers and Stacey Ann Kelly, respectively.
Javi Ebanks, Radio Cayman News. The Cayman Islands government is receiving positive updates with regard to the international standing of our anti-money laundering, countering the financing of terrorism and counter-proliferation financing regime. Government has been informed that the EU Commission has published a delegated regulation this week regarding the removal of the Cayman Islands from its AML list. This document marks the first official step toward Cayman's delisting from the EU AML list. Deputy Premier and Minister for Financial Services and Commerce, the Honorable Andre Ebanks. We are pleased to see the EU take this step with regards to the Cayman Islands and the EU's AML listing, which accords with our correspondence with the EU on this matter. It is therefore a credit to our sustained AML reforms and proactive engagement with EU officials and decision makers that we are advancing towards delisting early next year. Furthermore, as a result of our FATF delisting, we expected the Cayman Islands to be removed from the UK high-risk list, in addition to reduced ratings in other countries. I'm therefore grateful that following discussions with Her Excellency Governor Jane Owen and other relevant UK government officials, Cayman has been removed from the UK high-risk list. It should be noted that the regulation is not yet in force, and government expects, as per previous EU protocol, that there will be further movement on the matter next month. Questions around spear gun licenses are cleared up at the recent meeting of the National Conservation Council. In 2016, Council approved renewing spear gun licenses issued from 12 September 2014 onwards provided that all the normal criteria were met, such as the person still possessing their spare gun, a clean, a clean police record, etc. That date of 12 September 2014 was when the relevant section of the National Conservation Act came into force, and so Council felt that was the earliest date that they could legally issue, issue licenses for. NCC member John Bothwell from the Department of Environment told members during subsequent discussions about spear gun licensing procedures, a 2015 cutoff date was suggested and the DOE erroneously began using that date. So the request before the board was that council reconfirm the approval to renew those licenses from 2014 to 2015. We do believe that there are some of the people who would still want to renew because they've asked us and DOE will contact the 32 persons who are potentially eligible in that time period to let them know that we've got their reconfirmation and we can start renewing those licenses. The council approved the request. In Cayman, no one can possess a spear gun without a license, and only Caymanians over the age of 18 are eligible to get one. COP28 is over, but efforts to protect the Cayman Islands environment will continue as youth delegates make their way back home. After heated negotiations at COP28, nearly 200 countries agreed to transition away from fossil fuels. Cayman was represented at COP by a number of youth delegates in partnership with the National Trust and the Cayman Islands representative to the UK. Rakeem Laskley is a 25-year-old laboratory technologist at Water Authority Cayman. The key takeaway that I found for our climate resilience efforts lies in an impact full integration of youth, you know, witnessing their dedication into involving the younger generation in every facet of the decision-making process from like online forums to parliamentary engagement and even going into schools to do a portion of the public consultations when they occur. I think that underscores a vital role that the youth play in building like sustainable strategies. And it was evident in like the processes in Bermuda, Guernsey, Gibraltar and Jersey. Um, and it not only cultivates climate conscious leaders, but also 
sets the stage for like a more inclusive uh, global dialogue. So it's like clear that, you know, the backbone of any successful project or policy with long-term sustainability in mind is youth capacity building. I think as we chart our course for climate resilience in the Cayman Islands, drawing inspiration from our UK overseas territory counterpart emphasizes the importance of, I guess, meaningful youth engagement, moving beyond tokenism, you know, to ensure that our future leaders are not just heard, but are actively shaping the path towards a climate-resilient future in our islands. COP28 is an annual United Nations climate meeting where governments discuss how to limit and prepare for future climate change. Students from Montessori by the Sea visiting the Pines Thursday morning to bring some Christmas cheer to residents of the senior residential facility. Pines receptionist, Lana Bonia. Do you often have kids come in perform here? Yeah. We haven't had them for a while because of the COVID, but this is perfect because we're outside on the patio, so it's a nice breeze and it's wonderful for the residents, so we're really happy about it. The Pines Retirement Home in Central Georgetown is a nonprofit charitable organization established to provide residential accommodation for the elderly. That is your latest local news. I'm April Cummings.